In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello, welcome once again to another stop on the show mission, Two Men, One Podcast, every black film ever released. My name is Vincent Williams of It's All Soul, G-Town Radio, Wednesdays, 8 to 10 p.m., and I'm joined as always by... Yo, what's up? Holla at your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble of Black Tribbles fame. And on this episode, one episode before we hit... 100 we thought 100 days 100 nights (laughs) see you threw me because you never do that usually that's something i would have done so i was confused because i thought it was a freaky friday situation and i was like lord is that me and lynn's body so it threw me Sorry. It's all right. Please continue. We thought that we should check in with 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 our 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 mentor, our 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 spirit animal if you will. Mm-hmm. Our name, you know, the person that we're named after. Yes. Oscar Michelle. For one more stop, we we've looked at an Oscar Michelle film previously, and tonight we are stopping once again to look at a film, Ten Minutes to Live. Ooh. But before we get into that, we have some feedback, some back feed, some interactions that we're going to talk about. Mr. Webb? Once again, we are starting off the show with feedback on Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song. Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song. Tonight we have feedback from A Tribble for Life, a.k.a. Jedi Knight Tribble, a.k.a. Damon Ritchie, who writes us to say, sorry, I am a week late, but I missed it when it was released. Long story, no need to get into it. He killed a man and he was on the run. This is not the fugitive. I He set a hobo on fire just to see what it looked like. No, he did not. Damon continues. <laughs> He's I, in debt to the Yakuza. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> now I want to know. He said he's a week late. Is this a long story? But now I want to know the story. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Damon. He was abducted by aliens. That's the last one. Go ahead. You got it out of your system. It's all now. out of my system. All right. 
Damon continues. I've been listening to Bat Tribble for years, and for the most part, I have not agreed with most of his opinions. <laughs> well, that's terrible. Although, I have always respected his opinions. I have to agree 100% with Len on this one. This sweet, sweet Bat's badass song is a horrible movie. There you go, Len. You found a friend. I do get what Vince was saying about the importance of the movie, but you can not, N-O-T, not say that after 1971 or 1972, this movie had any importance. I get it, get that it was very popular, but there are a ton of really bad movies that did very well at the box office. There's no need for anyone to watch this movie unless you are a student writing a paper on black movies other than that run away from this film. Tribble for Life, Jedi Knight Tribble, Damon Ray Ritchie. There you go, Lynn. There you go. Now then, you have to think about the fact that he just got back from fighting in the octagon. So his head might be scrambled a little bit. No. Two men enter, one man leave. It, but it made him a week late to listen to the episode. If anything, so, he was a week late because he was uh, stricken into a coma from watching Sweet Sweet Back's <laughs> badass song. That's probably what it was. And that's why he says, please run away from this film. Do yourself the, a favor that I did not do for myself. Right. Save yourself. Save yourself. And do not watch this movie. Mm. Damon has spoken. Da- Damon, Damon. Jedi Knight. Yes. Tribble. Yes. There and you go. He was working on a secret moon base that we've established that we don't talk about, so. He would know. You know, God don't like ugly. (laughs) Anyway, Aaron Fry wrote us. Hey, what's up, Aaron? Aaron Fry wrote us about the other superhero. This may be a subject for the binge lounge, but I know you guys are watching Black Lightning. Yes. I love the show because, spoiler alert, ladies and gentlemen, when you kill somebody off in the second episode when he could have lasted at least six episodes that you must have something coming up that's going to wow the audience yes sir the soundtrack is totally old school yeah however the costumes look kind of weak hey it's it's a tv costume has there been a costume on tell you know what how many costumes on television or in the movies doesn't look ridiculous? Now, are we are we superhero costumes? Well, I will I will give you that I actually think, as far as costumes go, superhero costumes, Supergirl's costume is spot on. That's a good costume. Supergirl's a good costume. Any more? Like, can you name five? Like, this is an honest question. Because I had forgotten about Supergirl, but you're right. Supergirl's costume works. I think that from the 1966 version of Batman, 
I think Robin's costume was, you know, very accurate. It was accurate. And but ridiculous looking. But Robin's costume is Robin's costume is ridiculous looking. And it was all the more ridiculous on Batman sixty six because they aged up that Robin. Right. So he's like a seventeen, eighteen year old right, guy right. running around. So okay. So but it was accurate. Right. However, Batgirl's costume and That's a good costume. Catwoman's costume. All right, those are good costumes. Were definitely on point. So now I'm up to so I'll take out Robin. Right. And I'm up to three. Now, I'm wondering, are we being sexist that no. these three are women's costumes? No, we're not. Okay. No, we're not. Because I don't think, well, Jessica Jones didn't really have a costume. Right. But um, there was someone, uh, there was some like, it, I don't think any of the costumes on Arrow, guy or woman, Look good. No, I think so, they look ridiculous. So, it's, so it's not yeah. a sexist thing. Yeah, you know, either it looks good or yeah. it doesn't look good. It's funny that you brought up Netflix because the thirty seconds that they showed him, I really like the Iron Fist costume. I don't even remember his. It's costume. it's basically it's it's, it's it's the Bruce Lee Chinese Connection yellow one piece, but it's in the green and yellow. Oh yeah, of, but of was it Iron a one Fist. piece? I didn't think it was a one piece. I don't think he had on. Maybe it wasn't a one piece. I think he had on. But, but I like that. I thought that worked really well. Of course, I've always liked that Bruce Lee outfit. Yeah. So, um, but it kind of looks like a superhero outfit. I suppose, but it kind of. But I'm thinking of. I'm. I'm trying to think of one that is decidedly supposed to be their superhero. Right. Their superhero. Right. Not like clothes that kind of like mimic it. Right. So you know, you know what I mean. So. Um, but Black Lightning's is bad. Yeah, I think it's it's bad. Oh, I'll give you another one that's not, that actually is not bad. Okay. The Flashes. The the current Flash, the current CW Flash. I, I don't think either it, of his costumes yeah. have been bad. I think it's as good as it can be, but it's that CW. Yeah, but but it's kind of hot topic leather jacket zipped all the way up. Well, I think do. his I think his newer one that he got this year is a little is a little less of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, you know, the, you know, what you gotta, you're going to get with it. But I think that as costumes go, it's not bad. All right. Regardless, I'm really enjoying Black Panther, Black uh, Lightning. Yeah. 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 I actually, I I have to catch up um, on it, but, uh, you know, I've heard nothing but great things. I know. Have anything bad about yeah. it? But I will catch up with Black Lightning by the time that we do our binge lounge, which will be Black Panther specific. But I'm sure we'll find some time. We'll to, fold in some Black. We'll Lightning. fold in some some Black Lightning, especially since we're going back to the to the essence with with Black Panther, right? And go back to the essence with Black Lightning. That brings to mind a question that I wanted to run by you, Vince. Okay. You, you've got Black Panther, yes, which which is. Prime the the it is prime to blow the hell up. Oh yeah, when it hits. Oh yeah. I mean it it is absolutely prime. We actually um, people there's 
they've had the Hollywood premiere yes. of it. People have been ranting and raving about it. Jamel Hill of ESPN uh, wrote on face, excuse me, on Twitter, just got back from the Black Panther premiere and after party. You will see this movie five or six times. It is everything and then some. Um, I've not met one single solitary person who has plans on seeing it less than twice. True. Because every single solitary person that I know has said that you have to go see it to like actually watch the movie. But then there's just going to be the communal viewing. Right. That, you know, everyone is prepared that is going to be talking and cheering and, you know, so any amount of money that they forecast, double it. Yeah. So yeah. so it's it, the, the, it's prime to to blow the water out yeah. of the box office. Yeah. Black Lightning has been hitting to nothing so far but positive praise from pretty much every place that I've seen. Yes. I don't think I, I at least if there's a negative reviews I haven't found them. Neither have I. So, with that being said, what do you think will be or who do you think will be the next hero black superhero or or hero of color let's right, say right hero, hero of, of color. color okay to um make their mark in television or movies i mean because recently we had we i didn't even mention you know it was last year but luke cage right you know broke netflix right when it hit right um will be or should be because those are two different questions. Okay, fair enough. Let's say, well, what do you think? Let's let's say will be first. Will be. I'm just sort of scrolling through my head. I know there was talk of a cyborg movie. I think that if not off the shelf, has been pretty. Yeah, much I don't think there's put be. to the side. See, now. You, you know, I think DC. There's not a lot at DC mm-hmm. that you can work from. Although I think. My should be is a DC character, John Stewart. No, no. Mm-hmm. I think I think Papa Midnight. I. <laughs> that's a nice cut. That's a nice <laughs> deep cut. I actually think a vixen movie almost writes itself. Hmm. Like you can have vixen on the continent. You can have vixen with nary a twinge. You can make her almost a private detective. Mm. You could have Vixen in the world of high fashion. Mm. So, you know, you have that world. I think Vixen works in so many different contexts. Okay. That I think Vixen would be a wonderful television series. I don't think Vixen. I mean, I like think. Like with the right budget. It had to have a right budget because it really is a globe trotting type thing. Right, which is why I think Vixen works better as what they did on the, on the the web it, as an animated series where the budget doesn't constrain you. Right. Well, here's the thing. I think after Black Panther there might be some talk about how much you can open up for a budget. True, but I mean Vixen who many people probably don't don't even know is a DC character who can mimic the powers of all of the animal of the right. animal kingdom. Um I just don't think she's got enough cachet to to a television show, maybe. Um a movie, I don't think not not yet. I think you put the right umph behind it. And I think you got something. So that is that your should be or will That's be? That's my should be. My will be, I don't know. 
My will be, I, I honestly don't know. Okay. I actually think, well, well, and one that we haven't spoken about that's going to be coming out is um, Todd McFarlane and Bloomhouse are doing a reboot of, of Spawn. Spawn, which, you know, now we are in the weeds. Like, that's always been a bone, you know, how much is Spawn a black, a black hero and because a black he, character. he doesn't have a face. Doesn't have a face. And I mean, and even in the adaptations, they change the race of some of the black characters and made them white. In the movie? In the movie. But they didn't change him. They didn't change him. But, you know, in the comic book, like, you know, he was black. His wife was black. Right. His best friend was black. Yes. And I know in the movie, I think they changed the best friend's The character. best friend was white. Right. Right. And yeah, and right. and I think Todd McFarlane was pretty vocal about the fact that they had to do it. Yeah. But I, so. I, I, I have a funny feeling that his hands won't be tied in this regard. Right. With Blumhouse. Um, that being said, I don't know how much of the world was really looking for a, a re- reboot of spawn yeah but i think that's set to debut pop sometime next year 2019 i think um here's a person who i think could work as a television series okay and it is a character of color okay as has been rebooted in dc i don't know if there's still if this is still the case but um the the question Oh yeah. Now, the question while originally a white guy, yeah, he died and that role of this faceless basically detective, right, uh was taken on by a former cop Renee Montoya. Right. And I think if they kept it Renee Montoya, and I'm not sure if in current um in current comics, the the character is still the same. Right. I think that would work really nicely as a television series. It could. I never would have thought of that because I hate that character. You don't like the question itself? No, no, no. I don't like. I didn't like them turning oh, Renee. her Renee into the I didn't question. Like, I didn't like them making her the question either. Yeah, because I liked her character. Her so character much. herself, yeah. as it were. Yes, yeah. so did I. But. If that's what you're going to do, if that's what you're going to do, yeah, I guess that would definitely be a good show. I think that would, I think that could work. And but I'll tell you who I think will be the next one to pop. Who? Storm. I think with Marvel, right? Well, DC. I mean, not this DC. Excuse me, Disney. Right now, buying 20th Century Fox. Right, most of their assets including the X-Men and the Fantastic Four, which now allows them to totally reboot the X-Men franchise as far as in the cinematic world. Yeah. Recast it. Yeah. I think they, and with Black Panther, primed to be the juggernaut that it looks to become. Yeah. I And with Logan... Pretty much being put out the pasture. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, eventually they're going to do something with sure, the Wolverine sure. character. Sure, but if they want to, you know, maybe let him lay dead for a little bit, you know, and try and build up the other characters because you know the second Wolverine pops, he's going to pop. Right, right. And they and they could always work with uh, the A twenty three character X X twenty three. Yeah, they'd always work with her, you know, to to build her out. Mm-hmm. 
I think that they could then take the momentum from Black Panther, take the momentum from buying back the X-Men, rebuild up Storm, properly cast her for the right. first time ever right. in live action, and do something really, really strong with that character in the movie universe. I think they could. You don't I think, think they will. Well, I, you know, I don't because we're, we're real comic booky right now. But but you know, storm but it's movies. Yeah, yeah, storm. I I think that whole storm conversation is a really textured conversation because the roots of storm touch a lot of different areas. Yes, and and. Uh, but a lot of interesting areas. A lot of interesting areas. They haven't, they haven't they mined haven't I, I w- it, It's funny that you brought up Jon Stewart. I think there are reasons other than the popularity of the character of Jon Stewart mm-hmm. that has kept Jon Stewart off of the multimedia stage. Think of some of his origins? No, I think just some of the powers that be that just have affection for, for you know, we've talked about like for Hal uh, Jordan. For Hal Jordan. Yeah. And I think those same kind of sentiments would keep Storm from popping the way that you're saying that she should pop. Like, I'll just say this, and then because it really is like this, I feel like the people in the room making decisions about Storm don't necessarily view that character the same way the two men in this room do. Well, they they certainly haven't been as respectful to the character a, a, in the last few years. But those men are still in the room. Yes, but how much of that has been because of the politics that have been playing out between Marvel and 20th Century Fox, them owning X-Men? I don't think any of it is. I think the the, the, the politics I'm talking about have been there since Storm was invented in the 70s. And we saw a lot of it when they married her to Black Panther. Well, see, no. See, I think the, the, the politics that be, you know, when they married her to Black Panther was they had signed Reggie Hudlin, you right. know, a movie producer and director, to write this comic book. So they've got, like, an A-list in a comic book world guy writing this comic. And he wanted movie all the world. toys. Yeah. He wanted yeah. to be able to play with all the toys. So regardless of what was happening in X-Men... At that time, if Reggie says he wants Storm, then we are going to make it happen so that Storm can be there to do what he, what he wants. Right. And which is what gave that whole movement and that whole storyline a very uh, rushed, rushed and forced feeling about it that they were quick to dead no sooner than after. I think Reggie was even yeah. off, off of the book. So I understand all of that, but I still think it's something else going on besides that. Well, I, Which, I think that was the main thing. You know, but I think I think it would be hey, now, hey, if they get Storm, if they do this, you know who I can see as Storm. You know who I can see would be perfect who? as Storm. Anika Noni Rose. <laughs> okay, Anika Noni Rose is perfect in everything. I think they might want to go younger with Storm though. I don't think Anika Noni Rose. Is too old to play. Hey, 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 hey. Nico Noni Rose ain't too old to do anything she wanted. Well, okay. I'm just saying. But I think that, that even I think the, they're going to do 20 somethings with all of the X Men. 
No. See, but they did. They went 20-somethings when they cast Storm in X-Men Apocalypse. And it didn't work. It didn't work because it was a bad movie. Well, it not didn't work because it was 20. a bad movie, but but I don't think that she was a strong actress. Well, right. And, and she wasn't a strong actress. I was about to say, that's the other part. Well, but... Uh, I also don't think that they're necessarily going like straight 20-year-olds for all of these roles. I think right. if you look at uh, across the spectrum of these comic book roles, most of the, most of the, the actors, um, women and men, that are playing these roles are in their 30s. Right. You know? So, and uh, Nika Noni Rose, you know, in her 30s, I think is primed to be in Hey, I ain't going to fight you, but so hard to cast Anika Noni Rose in anything. So, yes, sure. Absolutely. I'm for that. Yes. Where do I sign? I think we, we need to <laughs> start a change.org. There you go, to get Anika Noni Rose <laughs> into, to be uh, cast as Storm. And to cast as Storm. All right, All right uh, let's go continue with our feedback, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. We got off on a little bit of a tangent. Let the tangents continue. Um, we heard. Again, from Aaron Fry, who is at Man of Harmony on Twitter. He hit us up um, on January 28th saying, I hope this is the first of many artists of his caliber on great performances. When he gave us a sent us a clip of Nas. Yeah. Live from Kennedy Center. Yes. Now, did you check that out? I was there. Were you seriously? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw that. Live? Yes. I was there. So so what so exactly he performed what was, the, what was he the, performed the entire Illmatic album which is his first album. Yes. And he performed it with the symphony orchestra behind him providing the music. How was it? It was amazing. Yes. It was it was it was it was it was, it was you know it was amazing for so many different reasons. First, it's Nas. Second, it's Illmatic. Third, just sonically, you know, Illmatic is all samples right so to hear an, an orchestra recreate those sounds mm. is just really really fascinating yeah like seeing how they do it and then third you know i'm i'm i love the fact that there are aspects of hip-hop culture where where many of us have grown up Mm-hmm. Like we're grown ups. Like I was, I was telling my nephew one of my uh, favorite little memories. I went and saw Rakim a couple of years ago. Okay. And my favorite little moment when we saw Rakim. At one point, they said, you know, he was he was going to be a little later than he was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, is everybody cool with that? And everybody said, yeah, yeah, of course. And you just saw all these phones light up. It was like a club, a fairly small club, but all these phones lit up throughout the club. And you could hear people calling their babysitters. Oh, wow. Saying, we're going to be a little late. Right. Because everybody, I think the median age of the people there was like 37, 38. Like, it was all grownups. Mm-hmm. And it was the same thing at the Kennedy Center. It's just all these people in suits and, you know, dresses because it's a Kennedy Center. And, and it's just just dudes, like 40-year-old dudes, including me, in suits going for it yelling the world is yours <laughs> you know just you know rapping along with Nas and it was just it's just beautiful right that you know hip-hop is here like this especially for people who are old enough to remember lots of people going into depth about how this was a fad yeah like this is like the hula hoop or the pet rock right and it right. won't be right. here three years from now yeah 
and you know we won. We did like we won. Wow. So so it was a great it was a great night. It was a great performance. I think it's coming on PBS. Um, like the first or second week of February. Oh, cool. So so definitely watch it. Cool. Yeah. Man, Nas live from the Kennedy Center. Classical hip hop. Yeah. That's really dope. I'll be looking to, to check that out. Um, you know, hip hop has one because you had Nas on the uh, at Kennedy Center. Yeah. I was blessed to uh, be moderating. I was uh, about to say a conversation this weekend with DMC of Run DMC. Yeah. That man has put out his own comic book um and not just like a little 20 page pamphlet he's put out a three three issues of 80 pages a piece all right three graphic novels featuring his character of dmc uh as a superhero in new york um which is what he kind of like as a geek as a teenager had to you know, wrap his head around building himself into right in order to have the courage to stand on stage next to run and really kick out those lyrics. Right. Right. And uh, he basically talked about how that has been pushing him his whole life. But even with doing that, there's always been hints in all of his rhymes and in all of his lyrics uh, back to his geeky roots and him doing this comic book, writing this comic book series, was just uh, you know everything coming full circle. Nice, you know, and he, nice. And, and I mean, let me tell you, man, the guy you talking about, like you know, guys in their thirties and forties. DMC is fifty three years old. Yeah, and he could still jump on that stage. That man is swole, bro. Yeah, 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 is, yeah. Is, is, Thick eating right, eating eating right, eating right, living right, um, getting fresh air, and seems to be really have a clear perspective on life and where he wants to That's be beautiful. and what he wants to do. That's uh, I know beautiful. He's gone through a lot of changes in his life as of recently, and a lot of discovery in his life right, over the right. past few years. And um, it's really great to see him uh, reaping the rewards of coming through on the other side that's that. wonderful to hear that's, yeah that's pretty dope uh we also heard fr- uh, on twitter from lynn uh leanne Lindsay of tinsel hey what's Time, up leanne who apparently just gave a listen to our uh new jack city episode episode okay. 76 of the michelle mission and left us a note to say that christopher williams has got nothing on you two fine brothers. Oh, well, thank you. Well, thank you, man. That's very nice. Of course, now I don't want Wesley Snipes around us because he might stab us in the hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what? He just might, actually. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess thank you, Lynn, or yeah. either you've set us up for... <laughs> <laughs> for Nino Brown stabbings. Yeah, so I, I don't know how to feel about that now. <laughs> But thank you. We really appreciate it. People having fun in the Facebook group. I, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, you have to listen. You have to go and join the show mission on Facebook and have a lot of fun with everybody. Um, let's see. We got uh, Greg Sims and Mike Zablinski are going at it about Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, Joseph Lechuga says, I don't know if this is on your show radar, but it's definitely worth a viewing. Talking about 2016's Slight. Yeah. Yeah, it very much is on our radar. Yes. Good looking out. A young street musician. Um, Definitely. Who might be more than a street magician. Yes, may. Yes. Uh, You've got 
pictures of the new black the, the new uh, Captain Captain Marvel. Yeah. Oh yeah. And from DC. Up no, no, no. From Marvel. From, from Marvel. Yeah. I'm, I'm all over the place. <laughs> um, and then you've also got Robert Monroe Jr. Who. Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jackie's Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh. What's the best way to eat a taco, Vince? With your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. Who's posting... Did you get this? He posted like, oh, God, I hope you guys are going to uh, re- review. And he's been posting videos from a young Mike Atkins, who apparently been making Nollywood superhero movies. Yes. And there's a clip. <laughs> there's, there's a clip of Batman in Nigeria. <laughs> And the Nigerian Avengers. And the Nigerian Avengers, <laughs> they are insane. They yeah. are absolutely preposterous. You need to go check out Mike Akin, A-K-I-N, like his page on Facebook. It, the, the, I got to give it up. He's, he's doing some funny stuff. <laughs> yes. Batman in Nigeria, who basically lands in Nigeria, opens up a box of bats, bats that just come flying out at people. And the Avengers, the Nigerian Avengers... <laughs> may be one of the most phenomenal sight gags yeah you will ever see it's pretty funny especially when Iron Man just comes walking into the (laughs) hey man fuel is expensive (laughs) oh man oh man oh man so um I'm really having a good time over there ladies and gentlemen and we hope that you uh you know join join the fun yes Join the fun over there on uh, Facebook. All right. Um, and we've got one last thing that I've, I, I have to read for you. All right. And I'm going to get to it right now. And this is also from Robert Monroe Jr. Who wrote to us. Hey. I just finished watching Oscar Michaud's. 10 minutes to live oh you should save this for next episode you shouldn't read this one this episode i shouldn't read it this episode you shouldn't read it this episode you got to read it next episode after we've reviewed it and then we can talk about yeah okay yes all right uh we 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 see you though robert we'll let you know what we think well we're gonna you know what very, very we're gonna save it. within moments. Yeah, we're we'll gonna let you know. What we're we gonna think. save it. We're gonna say we're gonna save it for this episode. Okay, we'll just read it later in the episode. Later in the episode. All right. So that's that's a little tease. All right, there you go. Uh, but for now, <laughs> I, well, let's see. Where where are we at now? We're at um, 
34 minutes. We should probably maybe do the review the film. And the show, when the show gets edited down for release on radio, yes. WPPMLP 106.5 FM, People Power Media, Philly Cam Radio, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. It gets edited, our show gets edited down to an hour. Yeah. And it's we're at 35 minutes now. So that's roughly, we've got 25 more minutes of show in which to review 10 minutes to live. We may be able to squeeze in there. I think we may, we able, may to be able to squeeze in there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to our review of 10 minutes to All live right. by Oscar Michelle. <laughs> 10 minutes to live. What you don't know is that is actually going to be the trailer. That's the trailer. I don't think there is a trailer. That is the trailer. You saw, but you saw it was doing a. I saw your jazz doing, hands. It's the jazz hands. <laughs> Ten minutes to live. <laughs> Ten minutes to live is a 1932 film by acclaimed director Oscar Michelle. The plot is in a Harlem nightclub. Movie producer Gary Martin seeks an actress for his new film and must choose between two talented singers. Meanwhile, club patron Anthony gets engaged to Lethal Watkins, who is hiding a secret past that reemerges when she receives a note announcing that she has only 10 minutes to live. Letha's godfather recounts her traumatic past to Martin while Letha must physically face it to survive. Based on two separate um, teleplays, The Faker and The Killer, this was the choice of Lynn Webb. What say you about Oscar Micheaux's 10 Minutes to Live? I say unto my Micheaux missionaries that like to watch the films and follow along with us along this little journey of ours, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Yeah, Oscar really screwed the pooch on this one. <laughs> this is uh whoa. I've watched this film three times. Wow. Because I fell asleep the first time. Okay. All right. Now I'm not so impressed. Figuring that I was just tired. Right. I watched it late. Right. And, you know, because I turned it on because the film is only it's available on YouTube. Right. For free, you know, for free watching and it says that it's only 55 yeah it's an hour so i'm like all right i can watch this yeah but apparently it was later than i thought right so and i fell asleep okay so i watched it again in the weekend in in the bright sun of 2 p.m okay wide awake i was asleep by 210 you gotta stop falling asleep i thought you watched it twice because you can figure out what was happening like i did (laughs) (laughs) well on my third watching, I got through it. Okay. No, I don't know what happened. It was not until you just read the synopsis <laughs> that I was able to pick right. some things right. together. It's, yeah, yeah. So that, ah, okay. Yeah. I see what happened there. I see where that happened. Yeah. Uh, that's what the note was. Okay, cool. But, so, so yes, I know, now know what happens. But I still don't care mm-hmm. because, um, first of all, 
you know, this film is from 1932. It's a film that obviously has fallen to the public domain, as it will, because it is out there for free viewing on Netflix. I mean, right. on, not on Netflix, on, on YouTube. Um, and it's a film that obviously has not been preserved. It is not a film right. that has been uh, considered one of the more cherished properties of Oscar Michaud. It's not one that people go rushing to look for. So only if you're like, I think, an Oscar Michaud completist, right. are you even like really even aware of 10 Minutes to Live. So it's not one that has been you know restored or remastered or cleaned up in any type of way. And therefore, the version of it that is available on YouTube is in rather poor condition. Yes. The the audio is very garbled at times, hard to make out what's happening. The visuals are blurry. Um, there's definitely some cut scenes that are jumping all over the place. Yeah. Um, so, it, which does make it hard to stay, you know, in, fully engaged with the film. Right. With that cutting in and out of the story. The reason why that is made especially harder with this film, as opposed to some other Oscar Michaud films, or some of even the older films and other films that we have watched from around this time, uh, is because the story, as it were, and I, I only because this is based on a teleplay do I not believe that the story is not totally made up as it goes along. Right. That withstanding, it still is very much just an outline of a story. Yes. I think that whatever dialogue there is in this in this uh film, which is minimal. Yes. To be the and the second the second half of this is almost entirely a silent film. Um but whatever dialogue is is in is is very expository. Yes, and with the audio problems going on, and you're being you know hard pressed to even understand what's happening with some of them, you're only picking up bits and pieces of what's going on. Right. So it's only through, um, you know, kind of like discerning, oh, that's that character and that's that character, um, that you're able to kind of piece together the story. It's about right. this young girl and this guy who's jerking over young women and all this other dumb stuff. But you just you just really don't care because no sooner does the film start than you're thrust into a nightclub where you are just inundated for at least 20 minutes of the 30 minutes of the first short story 20 minutes of that is just different acts at the nightclub. Yes. Coming in and performing some bit, you know, yeah. whether it be a dance routine, whether it be singing a song, whether it be a really not funny uh, minstrel, you know, comedy uh, uh, bit. And by not funny, I mean, it's just not even funny. Right. No, uh, never mind that it's, you know, minstrel. Right. Um, So that doesn't help you with the with the movie, with the story, and these acts that you are watching have the smell of people that 
Oscar said, okay, I'll put you in my movie. Right. Not, you know, some noted acts of the time. Right. Or anything like that. So this film really, it, it, it has the whiff of Oscar, I don't know, had a quota. Had right. some leftover film. Right. And said, all right. I'm here. I'm at this club. I've got a couple of sets. I've got some people want to do in a movie. Hey, kids, let's put on a show. Yeah. And make a movie. Yeah. Uh, and that's the whiff that I was getting off of this film. And with that, it just didn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, and that, and and maybe this this is my 2017 sensibilities maybe coming up a little bit. Even the the minstrel stuff aside... There's some kind of troubling imagery in this film, especially when it comes to violence towards women. Yeah. That is like um, some of it kind of graphic. Yeah. For the time. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I was I was not cool with that, especially when you know that Oscar Michaud's work has been so intelligent and progressive before Right. This point. Right. You know, to, this almost seems like a step backwards. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I was I was actually shocked by how slapdash this was. Yeah. Like, especially, you know, I, we, we talked about it when we watched Within Our Gates. Mm-hmm. Within Our Gates, I think, is the first full Oscar Michelle film I've ever seen. Okay. Like, I think there's a cowboy film I may have seen bits and pieces of. Mm-hmm. But. I honestly thought that maybe this was one of his earlier works because compared to Within Our Gates, which is from 1920, which he did 12 years prior to this. Right. It is amazingly slapdash and thrown together. You you know, you talked about it's difficult to understand what's going on. And one thing that I just wanted to add to what you said about the blurriness Mm -hmm. of the print. This is important because. Maybe one third of the plot involves letters and telegrams, right? That you just can't read can't what's read on the telegram. And you know, while no, it's tight. It's not even like it's handwritten. right. So you know, you can give him the benefit of the doubt and say that you know, in a pristine print, you could read that, right? But then the other thing that happens is that he reuses the same actors, yeah, in different roles, right. With no explanation whatsoever. So it's just very confusing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as you said, so much of of the, the time of the film is taken up by acts, either dancing girls or comedians or singers, so that it is it is really the thinnest of plots yeah. with any of. The only thing that I could think of, you know, because I was trying to, uh, you know, just trying to get some type of hold of this thing. Right. You know, to have something to say now, frankly. Yeah. And, you know, this is the second film that he made with sound. So, you know, 1931, he has a film called um, The Exile. Okay. Where he's the first black director to ever use sound. Okay. And so maybe part of it is he's still kind of getting used to using sound in his film. Right. So there's that part of it. And then the other part of it, I was I was kind of wondering, in 1932, you know, we see all this footage of, of these acts and, and these clubs. 
And I'm wondering how much access the quote unquote common man had to acts. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you think about, you know, I forget who, who had the first, um, the first sound, the first film with sound, but, but you know, was that, is that Edison? Well, yeah, I think Edison had, yeah. And, and the first sound it's, it's like, it's, it's like footage of what? I thought it was, um, Oh God, was it? I forget better. I forget exactly, but it's something very pedestrian. Yeah, very, very pedestrian. Without shows. Yeah, they, yeah. So I'm wondering was was part of the reason that there are so many acts is that that in itself was going to see and hear this in a way that you've never seen and heard it before. So I kind of basically people going to the they, they go into a club and then there be like a twenty minutes you know right depictions of black people in evening wear, mm-hmm. which I have to think in nineteen thirty in and of itself like right. you, it's just scene after scene of men in in tails and tuxes mm-hmm. and women mm-hmm. in in, gowns. in gowns and you know and they're all dancing and yeah. so thin gruel. It's thin. It's thin. It's interesting that you did make the point about him this being his sex. Um, I honestly thought that he was just filming two different teleplays. Right. But now to find that at the same time. Maybe so. However, the second story, whereas in the silent in the actual silent movie, you'd get the uh but it was in that film that one he exteriors. Yes. Uh and there is much in the first part, which is pretty much all sound because you're showing the dancers, you're hearing the tapping right. and everything like that. Because that first part, the camera is pretty much locked in one place. There's right. no type of perspectives of right. the club or the performers. Uh, it, pretty much the camera is just locked down, whereas the second half definitely ha- it feels more of a film story so probably right. we, more familiar ground familiar territory oh, i actually like that read a lot second half i didn't like it that much any better yeah but i could certainly feel the difference in the killer side as opposed to the the faker right right and and you talk towards the women i think what bothered me even more than that and and you talked about you you know you get the sense that these aren't the great acts of the day these are just acts that you know, he said, you know, let me put you on. Yeah. I, I say this. Exploitation? Exhibition. Had her name right here, and then it closed up on me. That's what happens here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> right. We're doing it live. Doing it live. Oh, Willard Lee uh, Guilford. Mm-hmm. Very risque. Yeah. And, you know, and you get the sense that that was the whole point of her being in going at it yeah like for a good two three minutes yeah almost it feels like yeah you know what i mean and i get some of that exploitation of women when you're saying that because in the acts they definitely have the dancing there is a girl that comes out and sings and she too barely comes he says he's looking for ida and they're both named Ida. That's right. And she's the more elegant and, and lighter mm-hmm. singer comes out. And she's the one that he actually has her name. And he says, oh, no, I'm looking for the other one. And then that is the browner skinned 
yes. singer who has on, you know, she's very scantily clad. It, it looks like basically pasties. Right. And he says, oh, he's just here to exploit these girls. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, that's um, so yeah, as the I have to I, I have to say it. And, and in many ways, this is more egregious. The same way that I, I okay, because you know, for all the champion of the film, this cohesive film, right? He was still the man behind that film, yes, Melvin Man Peoples, which to me egregious that he his, he follows that up. My eyes, unprofessionalism of that film. Yes, Let's just put it that way. Okay, because of. Not only do you know that Oscar Michaud has so much more, you know, schooled and professional yeah. stuff. Yeah. You know, it, he's, he locks the camera down and he only shows these acts. Yeah. I have to say, very small sound stage. Yeah. So, fair enough. But even with those angles that I could see, there definitely was some other uh, angles. When it comes time to film the story right because the story is still just for it's just poorly developed poorly written yeah and piece of oscar michelle right then i've never read any but now you know i want to read like i i was actually curious about what was going on right that i have to believe that there are some um circumstances outside forces and out that that we just don't know about yeah 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 and and, and hey everything he did yeah. Was you know I think damn near by the skin of his teeth. Yes, yes, very much so. No, and this is not, you know, whatever you know, black mark. This is on confusing. Like this is actually confusing, right? You know, right? So you want to give him the pass, even though you don't even know if he deserves it, right? You know, clearly something else was going on, right? You know, he must have been hitting the head or something. Yeah, you know, they didn't. You see, head, I believe it was called. You put some leeches on it. <laughs> Drink some pot liquor. He was filming. and that's supposed to help. He was, Bring me my leeches. And lots of head looking at his camera. Put a leech. Yeah. Put a leech on my head. So yeah, it's it's. I don't know how much else you can say yeah, about not this. Not anything else you can say about this. You know, again, it's only an hour, and of the hour, worth watching. They're not worth not watching. That good means that you know. Hey, no, 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 no. You're right. You're. <laughs> yeah. You know. So. Yeah. The, 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 but I will say. Uh, we were on, we were blessed as I, 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 I may have mentioned earlier that we were on the source there last week. Yes. On WURD, uh, here in Philadelphia with Iraka Rosorondo. I believe I got that correct. She will correct me. Yes. When she hears this, uh, Len, <laughs> so, <laughs> she will definitely correct me. Um, but we were on her show uh, last week, and we were having a very good time talking about black films. Um, uh, we were talking about black films. We were talking about Oscar Show. We were talking. We were talking about everything. We were really having a very good time. Yes. And someone actually pointed out to me a Oscar Show movie that they thought that we should see. And now I'm trying to find that movie. Uh, and this whole part may be cut out if I can't find that movie. 
Uh, is this it? I think this may be it. Hold on. It is... Uh, yes, Murder in Harlem. Okay. Did, have you heard of this? Film I have this? not, but I like I like any film that has in Harlem in the title. Murder in Harlem is based uh is based on the 1913 trial of Leo Frank for the murder of Mary Fagan. Oh. Do you know that tale? I don't. An African-American man is framed for the murder of a white woman, Mm. but a white man is found to be responsible. It stars Clarence Brooks, Dorothy Van Engel, Andrew Bishop, and Alex Joy. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it does. That sounds pretty cool. Murder in Brooklyn. It's from uh, 19... Harlem. Murder in Brooklyn would be a Spike Lee movie. Yeah, absolutely right. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, Murder in Harlem. Uh, it's from 1935. Okay. Written, produced, and directed by Oscar Micheaux. Maybe we should do that as our next Oscar Micheaux film. I think we should. When we stop in Micheaux land on the Micheaux mission again. Yes. Yeah. We'll go to Murder in Harlem. Murder in Harlem. So I look forward to that. All right. So would you recommend people? I would not. Whoa. I would not. I, I would not recommend this film. <laughs> Even for Oscar Michaud um, scholars, you know, as, as I said, this is his second film with sound. So if I would want to, to to talk about him with sound, I'd go to The Exile, which was made the year previous. And, you, you know, again, Within Our Gates is so much better than this. Yeah. It's like two different filmmakers. I know. So really so I would not recommend this. Would you recommend this? No. Okay. So, um, that ties a bow on episode 99. Episode 99. Of the Michelle Mission. Of the Michelle Mission. Well, you know what comes after 99. Yes, I do. 100 days! 100 (laughs) days! Episode 100, ladies and gentlemen. Episode 100. Now. Now. We're going to take a little detour, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, we are. Because episode 100, where Vince and I, along with, by very, very popular demand, yes, sit down with Jordan Colling. Yes. And Charmel, Charmel Scipio. Yes. And review... The Wiz. The Wiz. With Diana Ross. Yes. Michael Jackson. Yes. Nipsey Russell. Yes. Ted Ross. And Ted Ross. Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor. Lena Horne. Lena Horne. Mabel King. Mabel King. When we sit and review that film, episode 100 is scheduled. Yes. For the week February 21st. So that Wednesday the 21st is when you will find episode 100 in your Michelle Mission feed. Hey, Lynn, it's a couple of weeks in between that and this. What are we going to do for those weeks? Well, the week before the week before that is the week that the Black Panther <sighs> hits the theaters. Lord, Lord, Lord. Lord, 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 Lord. 
So, in honor of Black Panther, that week we will be doing a binge lounge. A binge lounge. That is totally dedicated to the Black Panther. And the Black Panther comic. And Black Panther comic. You know what would be funny? If, like, when we started the binge lounge, we spent, like, the first 25 minutes talking about movies. <laughs> Just to totally flip it. Just totally flip it around. So that's what's going to be coming the week of February 14th, Valentine's Week. Yes. How about that? How about that? That'll be Valentine's Week. I just locked in on that. So. So. That leaves one more week. That leaves one more week. Next week. Next week. Here on the Michelle Mission. Here on the Michelle Mission. Next week, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a little break. On the Michelle Mission. Yes. To actually sit back and reflect and talk about the state of the black film. There you go. Where is the black film? Where is the black film? We can actually get revisit episode zero where we talk about what is a black film. Boom. Next week, we're going to revisit our conversation from episode zero. Oh. Almost a hundred in. How have things changed? How Our things remain the same? Changed. How the perspectives change? There you go. Because. I'm so gonna, you know what we're going to do? What? We're going to review episode zero of the Michelle Mission. Oh, how about that? How about that? Let's review. Look what you did there, Vince. I look at, there you go. Look what you did there. There you go. There you go. That's why you're the smart one. There you go. So it's part. Yeah. (laughs) I just sat here long enough. (laughs) So. What you don't know because I edited it all out. Right, right, right. Is that we recorded about five different ideas. There you go. But I edited them all out. There you go. So it's part of our, it's it's, it's part of our celebration. Yes. We'll review episode zero of the Michelle Mission. What is a black film? What is a black film? And, you know, kind of listen to us. Because it's weird listening to the old episodes. It is. Like we're still kind of figuring this out. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah. So we'll review episode zero of the Michelle Mission. And if you've never listened to episode zero, go listen to episode zero. As zero episodes, it was pretty entertaining. So that's the plan for the next three weeks, ladies and gentlemen. Plan for the next three weeks. You got the next three weeks rolled out for you. There you go. Reviewing episode zero next week. We're going to do a Black Panther binge lounge the week after that, and then we will drop episode one hundred of. The Michelle Mission. And if you would be so kind, it would be very nice if all of you Michelle Missionaries out there in the meanwhile could drop us a line either on Twitter or on Instagram or on Facebook, however you like, or email us. It's even better if you email us this because we better keep track of it. Yeah. MichelleMission at gmail.com. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, maybe telling us what your favorite episodes were. Oh, that's nice. You know, tell us what your favorite episodes were. Tell us episodes that maybe you didn't you, you didn't like. Yeah. You know, um, uh, it, it, that would be nice. It would be nice to hear exactly what people's favorite episodes. I mean, we know what people respond to right, the most. Right, right, But that doesn't necessarily mean it's their favorite exactly. episode. Exactly. You know, or, you know, maybe we made you rethink a movie. There you go. You know, I'm. I, I'm sure there are many people out there who, after our scintillating review, have now have more respect for driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> Absolutely. So. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. 
So please do that. All right. All right. We got to get out of here. Yes, we do. Um, he's Vince. I'm Len. In parting, we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.